your Bibles to uh, the letter of 2nd John. 2nd John. For those of you who may be unfamiliar with uh, your Bibles, you take your Bible and turn it upside down and start from the back, you'll get there a lot faster. So you've got Revelation and then you have Jude and then you have the three letters of John, 3rd John, 2nd John, 1st John. We'll be in 2nd John. Uh, if you flip over to 3rd John and then you flip over and you're in 1st John, you missed it. Um, and it's okay because 2nd and 3rd John are really tiny. Uh, they're the shortest books of the uh, New Testament. Uh, and and so it's easy to miss it, but it's 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 there. <laughs> so Second uh, John is where we are. When you're there, say I'm there. All right, Second John. Uh, I'm going to read the entire letter uh, because it's so short. Uh, we'll read the entire letter and then we'll pray and ask for the Lord's grace to uh, uh, to walk us through. So let's pray. Oh, let's read and then we'll pray. Second John, beginning of verse one. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth. Because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us. From God the Father, and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love. That we walk according to his commandment. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such, is, such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I'd rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. <laughs> what a beautiful letter. 
wonderful letter. Let's pray and ask that God would now give us insight and understanding that we may hear and heed this wonderful letter. Let's pray. Father, you speak in so many various ways. You speak to us in apocalyptic visions, visions of dragons and multi-headed beasts and fire and carnage and all of that. And yet you also speak melodiously in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You speak to us with legislation in your Torah. You speak to us in letters, even personal letters like these. Father, I pray that as we hear your multifaceted word, that you would make it clear to us, give us wisdom and instruction. By your Holy Spirit, Lord, would you implant us with your word, that it may grow root and may sprout up and bring forth much fruit in our lives. We don't want to leave from here the way we came in. We don't want this to be a meaningless exercise where we just go through the motions and do our thing and come out no different than we were before. Lord, that's not what it's like to encounter the living God. We want to hear from you. We want to be changed by you. We want to be more conformed into the image of your Son. So, Father, would you make it so? Do what only you can do. And, Father, if there's anyone here that does not confess the Father and the Son, if there's, only, if there's some here who don't believe that Jesus is the only Savior, Father, I pray that you would make it very clear to them that there is one way that leads to life. There is one hope. In all of the world, there is only one hope in life and in death, and that is that we belong to Jesus. And we are set free by his redeeming blood. And so, Father, I pray that they would indeed come to faith as we have, and join us in this joy that is only found in being in fellowship with you, our God and our Father. Lord, do great things among us. Magnify your Son even as your word is proclaimed, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as we go through our lives here in the 21st century, we're realizing that technology is getting more and more advanced. I don't know if you all have seen the introduction of the latest Apple product uh, called the Vision Pro. How many of you all have seen this? Um, it, it, it looks like scuba goggles. Um, it's this VR, AR, they call it a mixed reality headset. And, and you put this thing on and you basically have the internet on your face. It's pretty cool. And, um, and, and you're able to do all these different things. You can watch movies. I saw one thing that they did that was really fun. You could be in, in on an airplane as Annie and I were just a few days ago. And, and, and you can actually set it where you're watching a movie and you can block out all of your surroundings. It's, let me tell you, being on a plane, that's amazing. And, and so you could be on and, and like the desert or something, watching a movie or, or whatever it is. The technology is just getting more and more advanced. And as technology is getting more and more advanced, security has to get more and more advanced, isn't it? 
We remember the days, some of us who are old enough to remember, the days where a password could literally be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Y'all remember those days? Yeah, where you could just type, you know, Ronjor Lock and password 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. That's not my password. And, and you, can, <laughs> you can put that on there and, and boom, you've got, you've got the internet. But, well, people have caught on to that. And so then they said, well, let's start using alpha, uh, alphanumeric uh, passwords. You know, you got to have numbers and letters. And then it became, well, you got to use numbers, letters, and symbols, right? And, and all, then it was capital letters and lowercase letters and all these things. Why? Because as technology advances, security has to be more advanced too. And now we're in the days where you've got to have what they call two-factor authentication, where, where now it's not just using a password, but, but now it's giving them your email address or, or your phone number or something too, so that they can text a passcode to that thing so that you can use that for verification as well. You've got biometric security where you use your fingerprint or use your eyes or your face or all of these different things in order to keep things secure. Why do we need to do all of this? Well, we need to do all of this because we realize that the things that we own, especially in the, uh, the, the world of the internet, um, it, it's getting easier and easier for, for, for um, uh, bad guys, if you will, to come in and use that stuff or take your stuff and use it for evil. I'm sure you've been on social media and you've seen, you know, for instance, uh, uh, just for sake of illustration, you can see uh, Kyle underscore Parmley, you know, on, on Instagram. And uh, this has happened to me before, not with Kyle, but this has happened to me before where I've been online and I get a friend request from, from somebody. I know, I just saw you. I just wanted to use you, my bad. But, but uh, you, you, uh, I go online and I see that and I go, oh, that's cool. You know, and I, and I accept this friend request. Only to realize that's not him. Y'all been there before? No, no, that wasn't him. That was someone who stole his identity and, and all of that. And they have his pictures up or, or all of these things. And, and, and you go, wait a second. I'm already friends with Kyle. Why in the world am, you know, is Kyle asking for me? Did he block me? You know, and, and all, No, no. What happened was somebody hacked into his account and all of that. With technology advancing, security's got to advance as well. You all get the point, right? And so these types of measures, two-factor authentication and all these different things, are helpful because it adds layers of security to keep your stuff where it belongs, and to keep others from coming in and doing damage to the things that you cherish, your possessions, your property, even your intellectual property, and so on. Well, the church needs security as well. The church is uh, vulnerable to attack in this world. There are uh, uh, bad uh, uh, actors outside of the church who want to do damage to the church. They want to come in and hack into the church and, and, and take our beliefs and, 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 and twist them and, and mangle them. They want, they want to take the community that God has created that's so precious and they want to do damage to it. They, they want what we experience here in our church lives week in and week out. They want that to go, uh, to burn all the way down to the ground. That's what they want. They don't like what God is doing. We see what the Lord is doing among us, and we cherish it. 
right? We, we celebrate it. Oh my goodness, to have a row of kids lined up here singing praises to the Lord. Where else do you get that but in the local church? And, and to hear you know, them say, there's no God like my God. And, and to know that that's being implanted into their souls so that when they get older and they face the challenges of this life, they've got something that they can reach back on, the, the promises and the truths that we have taught them, and they can live with that and say, I've got this hope as an anchor. I've got a firm foundation on which my feet can stand. I don't need to go to the right or to the left because of what I've learned here among my church family. That's a good thing. That's a precious thing, but it's not a universally loved thing. There are people who want to tweak <laughs> what, what God is doing here. They want to tweak the, the message that we proclaim. They want to tweak the lifestyle that we have committed ourselves to. And they say, yeah, we don't have to do all that. You don't have to believe all that. You don't have to go all, you know, all in and, and so on. And we as a church have to recognize that in order for us to stay on track, we're going to need security. We're going to need security. I remember when I was a pastor in Baltimore, it was on the 4th of July. Of all the days, it was the 4th of July. Annie and I and, and the kids, we were sitting, eating breakfast. Um, Annie goes a little all out on, on the 4th of July, and, and everything's you know, patriotic, and so you know, she'll make uh, you know, a, a, a cake or or, or kind of like a cookie thing, and, and she'll have uh, uh, raspberries for the red stripes and blueberries, you know, and, and all of this, and, and white frosting for the white stripes and for the stars and, and, and all of this. And we're just sitting there gorging ourselves because America. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and while, while we were sitting there just enjoying our, our, our morning, there was a knock on the door. And I'm going, who in the world is knocking on my door at this time of day? And so I get, go over, open up the door. I didn't recognize the person. They said, hey, are you the pastor here? Yeah. They said, well, um, I'm all but certain that somebody just broke into the church building. Now, we lived in a parsonage. I was right next door to the church. And, and, and so I quick went and got my shoes. I go over. I can see where they kind of jimmied the door, you know, with a crowbar or something. And, and I open up the, uh, the church uh, door and come in, and, and I'm looking all around the place, and I'm trying to see, okay, what did they take? It looked like everything was fine in the lobby. I'm going over. I go into the sanctuary, and what looked like this, instruments and all of that, it was bare. There was nothing on the, on the stage, and, and I freaked out um, for a couple of reasons. One, somebody broke into our church. Two, uh, uh, one of our uh, pastors on staff, Jim, uh, he had a guitar that I may or may not have borrowed uh, that Sunday, and, um, and, and it wasn't on the stage. <laughs> and so I quick called him, Jim, 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 uh, uh, please tell me you took your guitar home. No, I didn't. Why? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, Jim, um, somebody broke into the church, and they took your guitar I'll, I'll be right there. So he comes and all of that. He didn't have the, the identification number inside the guitar or anything. And so, you know, we just didn't know what was going to happen. By the way, fun fact on this. Uh, our, our, one of our friends, her name was Tiffany. She worked at a radio station, a Christian radio station. And the very next day, she went to work. And they were like, so how was your vacation? Or how was the fourth? It was fine. But the church, you know, had a little bit of a problem and everything. Well, come to find out, her boss 
at her church, there was a guy who was uh, downsizing. He was retiring, and he played guitar. And he was giving away all of his guitars. He gave them to the church and said, hey, if anybody wants my guitars, you know, you just go ahead and give them to them. There was one guitar that was left. And she went over to my friend Tiffany and she was like, hey, you know, does, does he still need a guitar? Because we have a guitar. Anyways, he gets the guitar and everything. They bring it over to the church and they hand it over to him and everything. And, and we looked at the guitar. We looked it up and everything. Come to find out that guitar was almost $1,000 more than the guitar that he had had before. And I felt okay. Um, <laughs> true, true confession. Um, there was a part of me that was really, really happy for Jim. There was another part of me that was going, the one day that I borrow someone's guitar. <laughs> and I, won, I didn't get that guitar, but it's okay. I felt good for him. I felt fine for him. He was good. Uh, the Lord provides. Um, <laughs> so God was great. But, but I say all of that to say, after that, you better believe we installed a security system. Right? You better believe we installed a security system, and you better believe that it was one that we knew would be able to take care of all of that. If that's how it is for the material possessions in our church, how much more for the things that make us a church? We care that, that the possessions of the church are okay. We care that, that these things are, are secure and all that. These things matter. But who we are as a church matters far more than what we have uh, possession-wise as a church. Are y'all getting what I'm saying here? We need to make sure that we, a church, are secure. That who we are is secured. Lest it be taken from us. lest Lest we wind up on a road where we are no longer recognizable. As a church. And that's John's concern. If you read 1 John, if you read 2 John, if you read 3 John, you notice there's kind of a through line in all of these letters. In fact, this is not just unique to John. As you get to this point in the life of the church, you're starting to sense these things. Uh, Peter talks this way in 2 Peter. John talks about these, uh, this, uh, talks this way in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. After him, Jude, which we'll be looking at in several uh, weeks from now, Jude talks this way as well. It's like they realize by this point in the life of the church that it took so many years for them as the leaders of the church, as the apostles, to to develop a culture in the church. And by this point, as they're recognizing, all of them, by the way, are getting up there in age. And they're starting to get to the point where they've got to pass the baton on to the next generation of church leaders. And they're recognizing that as much as it took for this culture to get to where it is in their local churches, they realize that it doesn't take much to tear it all down. It doesn't. It doesn't take much. So what do we need to stay secure? I think that's what this letter is all about here in 2 John. What, is it, what do we need to, to stay secure? And I, I call this, 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 this message here two-factor authentication because I believe there are two elements that John is talking about here. We've been in 1 John. It's not unfamiliar to us, but we're going to reiterate it because John does, and he loves to repeat himself, and he, it's good for us to hear him say it over and over again. We need this two-factor authentication if we are going to stay on the right track as Lord's church. So let's look at what's going on here. 
He starts off the letter with, uh, with an introduction. As we come to know about Greco-Roman letters of that time, he introduces himself. Notice he doesn't give his name, he just gives his title, the Elder. He is a leader of the church, he's a pastor, and he's writing here to, as it says, the elect lady and her children. The elect lady and her children. And now, there's a lot of debate over who this is. Uh, this elect lady, it could be that he's talking to a lady, a woman, and, uh, and he's talking to you know, her kids, the elect lady and her, and her children, her kids. So it could be that he's talking to a lady who's a believer, and, uh, and she's a mom, and he's talking to her personally about some things that are going on uh, in, that, in that region, some things that are going on in the churches, and, and so forth. That's possible. But another very common interpretation, and one that I actually lean towards, is that he's not talking to a lady, an actual female human being, but that he's using lady as a metaphor for the church. So if that's the case, then children here aren't biological children, but the members of the church. He says, I'm writing here to the elect lady and to her children. And he says here that he is writing um, to them, and he says that I love you in truth. These are the elect lady and her children whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. And then he gives a greeting. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. You notice in here... He says two words repeated, uh, he repeats two words in these three verses. If you notice again, let's look at it again. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son, in truth and love. What are the two words that you hear repeated in here? Truth and love. Truth and love. And that's exactly what this two-factor uh, authentication is. If we're going to be a healthy church, if we're going to stay on the right track, we've got to be committed to truth and love. So what, is, what, what do we learn from here? Well, first thing, and just in these three verses, we learn that we are loved in truth. We are loved in truth. Do you see what he says to them? He's talking to this, this family here, this church family, and he says, I love you in truth. And he says, not only I, but also all who know the truth. And then he goes on to say, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. So let's, let's break that down. Notice, first off, you have a church family larger than this group here, a greater church family who love you in truth. Stop and think about that. We have a group of, of, of folks here from our church that are going to be getting on an airplane and flying over into Europe. Guess who they're going to find when they get there? Family. That's who we're going to find. They're going to find brothers and sisters who have been waiting for them. Brothers and sisters who have been praying for them. Brothers and sisters who will love them and care for them well. Why? Because you're loved. You are loved. 
We're going to be, they're going to be getting together with folks from, from Providence Church, a sister church in the area. And, and, and guess what? They're going to, they're going to meet with them. And, and I guarantee you that the folks, our, our brothers and sisters over in Providence, have been praying for us too. Why? Because we're family. We've had family room uh, get-togethers with the married couples here in the church, and, and, and we've gone over to Vintage Church downtown. Why? Because they care about us, <laughs> and they love us. Pastor Sean has frequently uh, uh, gone out of town and, and headed over to our fellow TCT churches and so on, and, and they send their greetings to you. Why? Because they love you. And when, and when they come over uh, into town and so on, like, like say the Magros and so on, who have come over and, uh, uh, from down there in Florida and over in Atlanta and so on, and they come over here into our area and, and they find a church that loves them and cares for them. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a network that's going on here, not just within our body, but spreading all over the world of brothers and sisters who know you and who love you awesome. We're total strangers. I mean, why would I expect anyone from Moldova to be praying for us? That's over on the other side of the planet. I know, I know, you don't have to admit it, but, but some of y'all are like, I, I don't even know where Moldova is on the map. <laughs> and, and that's okay, that's, that's fine, that's fine, Google it. Um, but but you, you, you go look and, and, and you see over there, there are brothers and sisters there. There's family there. Who can do this but our Lord? And that's why it says there at the end, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and Jesus Christ the Father's Son. Notice in truth, love. The love that we share with one another comes directly to us from God our Father. We call ourselves brothers and sisters, not because it's just some type of old, old school OG formality, right? You know, hey, Sister Anna, how you doing over there? Sister Grace, good to see you. You know, it's good to see you. It's good to see you too, Brother Ron Jory. Oh man, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. You know, that, that's not why we do that. <laughs> In fact, none of us, <laughs> none of us do that, right? But why do we call ourselves brothers and sisters? Because something amazing happened. The God. Who, is, who alone is God, sent his son, and his son laid down his life after providing all that we need for our salvation so that when we trust in him, we are reconciled to God in such a fundamental way that he no longer looks at us merely as his creatures, but he sees us as his children. And we no longer relate to him simply as creator and creation, but we look to him as our father. And we are his sons and daughters. And if we are sons and daughters, and we share that sonship and daughtership, if you will, then when we look at each other, we see each other as brother and sister. This is what God is doing globally. We get to share in this family. We get, a, we get a seat at the table. Isn't God good? I thought he was. I may need to drink some water over here, you know, and, and just worship God by myself. Oh. We are loved, family. 
We are loved. You are loved. I think I've shared the story before, but I'll share it again. I remember several years ago, we're actually approaching a decade, or we're about a couple years um, short of a decade, from when I was in a hospital bed. Um, I, I currently am living on one adrenal gland. So you've got two. Um, take one away, which is what Johns Hopkins did to me, and, and, uh, and I've got one. Apparently, I'm, a, I'm able to live off of one, so I, I can't necessarily blame my fatigue on that. I blame it on 40s and parenting. Um, but, uh, but, but, you know, I, I w- had one adrenal gland and they, they took the one out. There were nodules that were growing on it. And, you know, nodules is just a, another way of saying tumors. And, uh, and so they took that away and, um, I won't, I won't show you, you know, the, the scars and all of that and everything just because, you know, church. Um, but, but that, but they took that away. And, and while I was laying there, I, I woke up the, the next morning and, um, it wasn't supposed to be, but an outpatient thing, but there were some complications and everything. And they were asking me how I was doing, and I said, well, it's kind of weird because I, I breathe in, and about halfway through, I feel this sharp, sharp, intense pain. I can't, I can't breathe through it. Like, I, I just, I take a breath, and about halfway through, I'm like, I can't, I can't go any further. They did x-rays and everything, come to find out I had pneumonia. They said, they asked me, they said, you know, have you, you know, were you sick coming in? Nope. Uh, so there are some ideas as to where it came from, but long story short, I had pneumonia. And so I'm on bed and they're like, well, what, what, what do I do? They said, well, you're going to have to walk some laps around the, you know, around the floor. I just had surgery, <laughs> abdominal surgery. And I'm going, yeah, that ain't happening, fam. And, uh, and they're like, well, that's the only way you got it. You just got to keep your, your lungs pumping, keep them strong and all that. I'm getting tired. I'm in pain. I'm laying down. Uh, to make matters worse, there was an elderly man in the room or two uh, across from me. He had pneumonia. Apparently, he didn't make it. He wound up dying. The doctor went to Annie and, and, and was just being preparatory, but saying, you know, you may want to start getting your affairs in order just in case. That obviously was was not what she wanted to hear. It was just a crazy, crazy thing. Uh, this was right around Labor Day weekend, um, uh, uh, back almost a decade ago, and uh, and she did something. She she went on to Facebook. Y'all remember Facebook? And and she uh, she she sent a, a message. Just put it out on blast to all of our friends. And she said, "Hey, um, I just need y'all to pray. Just need y'all to pray for Ranjur." Um, we believe that God is a healer. We believe that God is, is going to take care of him. We don't know what is going on right now, but he's, he's not improving. You know, uh, we, we don't know what's up. And she came over to me that, that evening, um, and she said something that just rocked me. She said, I just want to encourage you right now. She said, right now, as we speak, there are people all over the world that are praying for you. There are people all over the world right now that are praying for you. We had friends from our Bible college years that went off into the mission field. We had friends from our seminary years that went off into the mission field. They were sending messages. I wasn't online. I, I, I was too tired to be looking at that. But, but they were sending back messages saying, hey, uh, we just want to let you know, it, it was a Sunday uh, when, when I, you know, I was kind of going south, uh, the Sunday before Labor Day, 
and they said, we just want to let you know, we prayed for Ranjur uh, this morning in our, in our worship service. And this is friends from ours, friends of ours in Colombia, friends of ours, you know, in Africa, friends, friends of ours, you know, all over the place. And it was just this overwhelming sense that God's got this. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what he's doing, but I do know one thing, and that's he's got me. How could I have that, that, that assurance? How could I have that sense that it's going to be okay? Because God was working through his family, his global international family, and pouring out his love and affection on little weak frail me in the hospital that night. God was good. That morning, woke up. Our doctor, who was not a believer, came over and he said, uh, we're looking at his numbers and everything, and we can't really explain it. We don't really know why, but for whatever reason, everything is back to normal. His blood pressure is fine. His, you know, uh, his, 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 his uh, heart rate is fine and everything. His oxygen counts are fine and all of that. And we're just kind of looking at him going, you don't understand why? <laughs> you have no idea why? You don't have any answers for this, but I, I think I've got a couple answers for why this is. It's because there's a God in heaven who hears our cry, Amen. And he knows us and he hears us in the time of need. And when we cry out to him, he is not some deadbeat father who's aloof and says, leave me alone, I'm busy. No, he's a God who attends to the needs of his kids. He's a God who loves us and who cares for us. And we've got a family who comes to bat for us and says, hey, we got you. We're going to go over to dad and we're going to cry out to him with you because we love you. That's what the church is. That's what we are. All over the place. You are loved. You are loved by our church, our family, brothers and sisters all over the world. You are loved by God, our Father. You are loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior and our big brother. You have a culture, a family of people, God's family, who loves you. We're going to have that two-factor authentication. We've got to remember that. Remember that. Where else are you going to go to be loved like this? Where else will you go? All these folks talking community, all these folks saying, you know, hey, we're, we're a loving community. We are, we, we, you know, you can come over here and you will be loved. You come over here and, and, and you will be cared for. Love is love. And everybody's throwing this word around. Where else are you going to go where you will be loved like this? It is only in God's family because only God can love like this, and only God can make us love like this. We are loved. We are loved in truth. Well, he goes on to, to, to celebrate and praise the people here because they are walking in the truth. And he says in verse 4, that uh, he says, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth just as we were commanded by the Father. And so notice that as the children are walking in the truth, he's happy about that. But notice he says that we are commanded by the Father to walk in that way. And so not, if we're going to have this two-factor authentication, we not just recognize that we are loved in truth, but we must also walk in truth. That's that one uh, uh, factor here in, in this security here. we got to walk in truth. As he says there, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth. And let's look at it again. Verse 1, he says, I love you in truth. Not only I, but also all who know 
the truth. Then he says in verse 2, this truth abides in us and it will be with us forever. And now he says in verse 4 that we've been commanded by the Father to walk in this truth. So that obviously leads us to the question, what's the truth? And of course, you go Googling truth and you're going to find a bajillion different answers. We are in a world that that takes truth and and uses it in so many different ways. Truth is, is subjective. Your truth. My truth. We got to live our truth. You hear people talk in that way. It doesn't matter, you know, what other people say. What matters is what you believe and what you think. Uh, we watched just recently um, the, the remake of uh, Pinocchio. How many of y'all have seen that? How many of y'all care if I spoil the ending? Okay, because I'm, spoiler alert, I'm, I'm going to tell you how it ends. Now, y'all, re- y'all know the original story, right? You know, I got no strings to hold me down. You know, that, that, that thing. And, uh, you know, he, he wishes that, uh, Dad, Geppetto, wishes that he would have his own son. And, and, and he wishes, you know, to have a, to have a boy again. And, and, and so you've got the fairy godmother or whatever in the world she was. She comes down and, and she grants the wish on the condition that he learns how to be a real boy. And so he's got to fight the temptations of this life in order to prove himself to be a real boy. In other words, you can't be a real boy without having wisdom. It's a great story. It's a great story that Disney butchers um, in this this remake, okay? Because here's the thing. He goes through all of those different tests, you know, the test about, you know, where he becomes a donkey and everything in the ears and all that, and the test with the lying and all these little things that go on. He he passes all all of those different tests, and then he gets to the end of the story, and in the cartoon, in the end of the story, and in the original, at the end of the story, he magically goes from being a puppet to being a real boy. Well, in the new remake, he changes from being a puppet to being a puppet. You go... I thought he was supposed to be a real boy. And Geppetto talks to him and says, all this time I wanted a real boy. What I realized is what I have in you is better than I could ever have in a real boy. And you hear Jiminy Cricket say something to the effect of, it's not so much that you become a real boy. What matters is what you believe on the inside. And I'm, we're watching this movie going, What? <laughs> what in the world did you do to Pinocchio? It's once again just reestablishing the narrative that is common in our world right now. It doesn't matter what is actually true or anything like that. What matters is what you believe in your heart, right? You do you. It's your truth. And as long as it's your truth, everything is good. We're all happy and so on. That is not anything remotely close to what John is talking about here when he says truth. When he says truth, he means there are actual things that are real and true and accurate, and he's saying, I can prove those things. Here's what is uppermost for him in terms of truth. When he says truth, he's talking here about what God has done in the person and work of a man from Nazareth named Jesus. 
He's saying, here was this guy, we were with him for three years straight, and we saw him live his life, and he committed no sin. In fact, even when he was tried, and he was arrested, and he was crucified, there were people all around that time, total strangers, that were looking at this guy going, I honestly have no idea what the problem is. He seems like a nice guy. Seems like he's doing everything right. You know, I don't, I don't get it. They could find nothing wrong. Pilate could even say, I don't see anything wrong with this guy. As the people were crying out for the insurrectionist Barabbas. There was no sin found in him. Neither was there any deceit in his mouth, the Bible says. And he was crucified. He was brutally tortured and murdered. And over on uh, his head was the, uh, was the sign that said in multiple languages, here is Jesus, the King of the Jews. That was the only thing that he had done that they could say wrong. He, he claimed himself to be the Messiah. He even went further and claimed himself to be the Son of God. That would be a far-fetched uh, 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 claim to make, except three days later they saw him rise from the dead. He was with them for six weeks. And they were like, it's really hard to hallucinate for six weeks straight. You know, that is some type of drug to, be, to hallucinate for six weeks in a row. They're like, no, he was there. He was sitting there eating fish. He fried up some for us while he was at it. And, and we're over here eating. Thomas stuck his hand, his fingers into his hand and into his side and all that. No, these are the wounds of his crucifixion. He is exactly who he says he is. This is the truth. They say, we're eyewitnesses of these things. We're willing to lay our lives for these things. We're willing to leave our, our, our hometown and all that and travel to the ends of the earth, telling as many people as we possibly can, because this is not just our truth, this is the truth. And John says that this truth is in us. It abides in us. It's not just some, some cerebral thing. It's not just some intellectual ascent that we make. That's not all that there is to knowledge. Y'all have heard me say before, Adam knew Eve and she conceived. That's not intellectual knowledge. <laughs> you need a little more than intellectual knowledge to have a baby, right? The, the, the knowledge is about more than that. Truth is about more than that. He says, it's not just that you, that you have a grasp on these ideas. It's when these ideas have a grasp on you. That's what he says, the truth abides in us. And he says, it will be with us forever. This is who we are. I don't, I don't see the world any, any other way anymore. I, I don't think of the, I, I can't conceive of the world any other way than Christ Jesus on the throne, ruling over everything, every knee bowing, every tongue confessing that he is Lord. There is no other reality than this. He says, I want you to walk in this truth. Live in it. Live your married lives in light of this truth. Husbands, love like one who laid down his life for his church. Wives, submit to your husbands as you submit to the Lord on high. Parent in this truth. Don't let your kids live life thinking that church is just something that we do on Sunday and, and we live the rest of our lives just kind of wheeling it and winging it and all that. No, that's not reality. Every moment of your life is lived under the authority of Jesus Christ. That's the truth. 
don't live you know as as uh, uh and, and on the, on the job and so on as as though there is no truth as if Jesus isn't who he says he is no when you go onto the job you go onto the job and you work as colossians says as to the lord and not unto men why because he rules it is true on the internet don't act stupid on the internet you know, live like Jesus is Lord of all and every space, even cyberspace. Everything we do, we do under the Lordship of Jesus. That's what it means to walk in the truth. He says, I rejoice greatly that, that some, of you, uh, some of your children are walking in the truth just as we were commanded by the Father. But here's the thing. We can be committed to the truth. We can have our doctrinal statements looking nice, right? We, we lay it all down and everything. We, we got it all, you know, I believe in the Trinity. I believe in that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. I believe that we are creating the image of God, and yet we're sinners. You know, I believe that we are saved by the, by the work of, the, of, the, of, the, of Christ on the cross and in his resurrection. I believe in, in, the, in the, the working of the Holy Spirit in regenerating us and bringing us into conformity to Christ. I believe in the church. I believe in the kingdom of God. I believe that Jesus is coming back again and all that and we go whoo that's nice right that's the kind of doctoral statement that's what i'm talking about i believe those things and we can we can we can drive that home right we can go telling folks over and over again making sure in our community groups making sure maybe some through catechisms and all of these different things through the word that is preached you can have all this truth oozing out of your ears and you will not be as secure as you think you are because you need more than truth. <gasps> Can I say that? Yeah, I, I literally just did. <laughs> you, you, you need more than truth to secure a church. We're children of the Reformation. We hold firm to our Protestant beliefs. We hold firm to our evangelical convictions. We hold firm to you know, our Reformed theology. We hold firm to our, our missional uh, convictions. And, and so we hold firm to all of these different things. But realize you can have all of these things and the church can implode. The church can crumble to pieces with sound theology. You need more than just truth to secure a church. And that's why John says here in verse 5, now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I'm writing you a new commandment, but the one that we've had from the beginning, that we love one another. What does it mean to love one another? We've got all these definitions in the world. John helps us. Verse 6. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. What does it mean to love? It means to do what Jesus said. Why? Because everything that Jesus told us was fleshing out for us what it looks like to love one another. Yeah. You could roll all of Jesus' commands into two buckets. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourselves. You want to know what it looks like to love one another? Listen to Jesus. 
The world does not know what it means to truly love. Get little glimpses here and there, but, but there, there's a lot that's confused and twisted and messed up, and, and they stamp love on it, and it looks like love. It's not love. You want to know what love is like? Look at Jesus. You want to know how to love? Listen to him and learn from him. We need to love one another. He says, this is the commandment, just as you've heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. We need truth, we need to walk in truth, and we need to walk in love. Unfortunately, in our culture, those two have been split, haven't they? You've got the folks over here, the truth folks, right? Doctrine! I don't know why it always sounds like, you know, a monster truck rally or something, but, but you know, truth! theology, right? And, they, and they're just going, you know, uh, with all their, their, their truth and all their doctrine. Oh, you know, that's great. You know, you talk about all these different things and, and you know, you talk about love and everything, but we talk about propitiation, you know, and, and, and they're just, and they just go hard on this stuff, right? And, you know, I was, you know, I was reading Calvin's Institutes the other day and, you know, it just, but, but why are you telling us this? Because theology is all that matters. And it's, uh, you know, you know, these folks, you know, the kind of the cage stage you know the folks that are that are you know, they're just they're there and and everything is is theology everything is doctrine and that's cool but when you go hey uh, there's a person over there who's who has some needs and they could really use someone to meet those needs uh, what are you going to throw a systematic theology book at them you know it, it's like you, you need you need more than doctrine to, to do that. But you have this group over here where it's all theology all the time. This is, you know, let's just stop and, 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 and be amazed at the wonderful, complex mysteries of God. And you have this over here. And then you have the folks over here that are the love church, right? You come here and you are welcome. All are welcome. I don't know why they sound like Bob Ross. But all come and all are welcome. You can come here and you will have your needs met and we will care for you and all of these things. Well, why don't we talk about the gospel? We don't talk about things that divide. We talk about, you know, oh, and you have this group over here, right? And so you got the theology folks over here who, who have, and I'm caricaturing, of course, but you got the theology groups over here who, who, who struggle to love well. And you have these folks over here who care, but they have nothing holding them down and no grounding or, or footing or anything like that. And so their love just kind of is this amorphous, jellyfishy thing that goes all over the place. And, and, and you look at this and John and you go, both of these are errors in what the church should be. We should be firmly grounded in the truth, and so moved by this truth that it compels us to love. The most loving people in the world should be the ones who know the most about the Lord. How do you know him and not love? What John said in his earlier letter in 1 John when he says, if you say you love God but you hate your neighbor, you're a liar. Yeah, the Bible says that. The same John said that. How, if, how can you say you love God whom you have not seen if you don't love your brother who you have seen? He's right there in front of your face. You see his needs. You hear his hurts. You hear his, his cries and all of that, and you don't do anything about that? Don't come over here saying that you know God. Because if you know God, you know that's the first thing he would do. 
You see what he's saying here? Truth and love. Truth and love. Now, we don't have time to, to go into it. It's, it's going to be next week's uh, message, but, but I just want to give you a little hint at why I call this two-factor authentication. It's because in this, in this letter, John sees liars around in verse 7. They're deceivers that have gone out into the world. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. And, and, and we hear all of that and we say, what do you mean by the fact that, he's, uh, he, that he hasn't come in the flesh? Well, it seems like they are in some way divorcing the, 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 the deity of Christ from his humanity. They're, they're, they're taking away and denying the physicality of Christ. Perhaps they're uh, leaning into Greek philosophy and so on, where the physical is what will pass away and all that's left is the spiritual and by the way that is not something that's just first century or ancient greek philosophy type stuff people talk that way in 2023 america it, it, it is the same here as it was back then the people who don't see any reason for the body the body is just something that gets in the way or the body is something arbitrary so when you have people who say well i can have surgery and all of this to make my body whatever i want it to be I think I'm a female, so I'm going to go and have surgery and pump my body with hormones so that I can be whatever. What they're saying is this body doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter what this is. This is just some arbitrary shell that I'm in. And they were saying those types of things and applying it to Jesus. So Jesus is going to return, but he's not going to return in a body. He's just going to return as a spirit. So this body then doesn't really matter. It's going to go in the grave and it's just going to be plant food for the rest of eternity. What we are freed from all of that to be in the spirit. So it doesn't matter what I do with my body. You see what's going on? It doesn't matter what I do in my body. It doesn't matter what I do, who I do it with, or anything like that. And, the, and John is saying, this idea here is going to threaten the unraveling of the church, and the way that you protect from that idea is with truth and love. Why? Because truth says, no, when Jesus rose from the dead, he rose bodily, physically, humanly. And when he ascended, he ascended bodily, physically, humanly, and he sits physically, bodily, humanly at the right hand of God. And at the word of the Father, he will return physically, humanly, bodily, which means what this body is and all the physicality of this world, all of it matters. So therefore, what I do in my body matters. How I use my body matters. How I serve to help other people in their bodies matter. And that's why truth has to be coupled with love in order to fight this thing. Because you look at the way we live in our relationships with one another, how we serve each other when we're in need, how we help each other out when we're hungry, how you go and help the poor, how you go physically to the nations and help to serve brothers and sisters abroad, how you get the gospel out to all people. And you don't just throw a gospel at them, but you embody that gospel by the way you love one another. This is the way that we combat ourselves or that we inoculate ourselves against this false teaching. You matter. Your body matters. This is why when we hear about uh, 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 senseless killings and, 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 and mass incarcerations and we hear about displacing the homeless and, 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 and the poor and all of these different things. Why they matter to us. They matter to us because your life in the body matters. Why? Because there is a 
bodily human Savior that is seated at the right hand of God. He laid down his life to resurrect this body of ours. This matters. Do you see what's going on here? Truth and love fight against this kind of false teaching. Truth and love fight against all false teaching. Church, do we care about the truth? Are we constantly teaching one another the truth of God's word? Church, do we care about love? Are we serving one another? Rejoicing with those who rejoice, weeping with those who weep. Are we working to meet the needs of our brothers and sisters? Are we laying down our lives for each other in our own homes? Are we laying down our lives for each other in our church family? The way that we fight against false teaching is not just having one factor, but by having both factors working together to keep us secure. My prayer for every single one of us here is that this is what TCC's testimony would be. That we don't just walk in truth, but we walk in truth and love. And may the Lord continue to grow this in us. May he continue to protect us from the false teachings and the false living and lifestyles that could erode the very beauty of what it means to be his church and his people. Amen? Amen. Well, as the Lord has taught us here, one way that we demonstrate truth and love is through the Lord's Supper. <laughs> um, we work together, and, and, and we, we share together this wonderful uh, uh, ordinance. And can you see the truth and love in there? Can you see the truth of the Lord's Supper? Christ died. Christ laid down his life. Christ shed his blood for us. There's the truth. Then can you see the love? Not just the love that he would lay down his life for us, but the love that we get to share this and proclaim this together as one body, as one family. This is what we do when we observe the Lord's Supper. We observe it in truth. We observe it in love. Let's pray. Father, there are so many lies. So many lies that are in our world. If we're not careful, we can easily uh, be deceived. We can easily be duped. And we can find ourselves going in a totally different direction. Father, we need your help, and you have given it to us in the form of truth and love. And so, Father, I pray that we would be committed to both truth and love. May we be committed to the truth of your word. 
exposing ourselves to the whole counsel of God. Seeking to understand all and observe all that you have commanded us. May we be committed to love. May we open our hearts to one another. May we care deeply for one another. May we be patient with one another. Forgiving one another. May we not give any, let any root of bitterness be there among us. May we keep short accounts. May we seek for ways to show mercy. May we outdo one another in showing honor. This is what protects us. This is what should define us. Lord, again, I pray that there's maybe some that are here that do not know this. They, they don't know what this kind of community is like. They've never seen anything like this. They've never heard anything like this. Father, I pray that they would get in on this. That they would trust that Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, and Christ alone can save them and take away their sin and bring them into your family, that they may know what it's like to be a part of a people of truth and love. If that is you today, as we observe the Lord's Supper, uh, we uh, ask that you would kindly uh, hold off on this, then uh, that you would instead pay attention to what we're doing and pay attention to what we're saying, because this message is for you. There is a Savior who alone can save. We believe this. We want you to believe this as well. Come to him. Come to him. Find the truth that you may be searching for. Find the love that you long for. Only in Jesus. Only in the crucified and risen King. Those of us who do believe this and embrace these things, why don't we take some time in the silence and prepare our hearts. If there's any unconfessed sin, confess it. If there's anything that you may sense between you and him or between you and others, bring it before him. Let's remind ourselves once again the cost of our salvation.